user experience, party of one. Today we're exploring two heavy hitters in the world of UX, Steve Krug and Leah Buley. Welcome to Summer in Synthesis. Greetings and how do? This is English 730, user-centered research for technical communicators, summary and synthesis. I am your host, Emily Kuznar-Laird. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got two heavy hitters in the world of user experience and usability representing today. Steve Krug, usability consultant and author of Don't Make Me Think, Revisited. And Leah Buley, author of The User Experience Team of One. Ah, yes. One is the loneliest number, but often we're user experience party of one. And we've all been there, right? Feeling like we're on our own little island, tinkering away at a project that no one really understands. You invite them onto the island, so maybe they'll see the value of what you're working on. But the whole time, you're kind of sure they're trying to think of an exit strategy. And Bob from accounting did pretend like his phone went off, but you didn't hear it, and so you're pretty... You know what? Never mind. I'm lamenting. Let's summarize. Usability consultant Steve Krug offers a detailed and honest look into the sphere of web and mobile usability. For something to be usable, Krug explains, a person of average or even below average ability and experience can figure out how to use the thing to accomplish something without it being more trouble than it's worth. This simple principle is easily tainted by misguided choices resulting in the user of a product having to think. As users engage with digital interfaces, obstacles such as question marks, mental chatter, and errors can disrupt a delightful experience. Krug offers insight into both users and usability solutions for improved user experience. To better understand user experience, Krug delineates how users actually engage with digital interfaces. Krug explains contrary to assumption that users are attentive to every aspect of a web page, users actually glance at screens, scan the text, and select the first link to resemble what they're searching for. In addition to scanning, users also satisfice or select the first reasonable option instead of thoroughly selecting from all options. Users also muddle through web pages, instructions, and user guides instead of taking the time to fully read or engage. And let's be honest, we've all done that. I do that. I was trying to put a new phone case on my phone last night, could not figure it out, refused to look at the instructions, ultimately had to, uh, but it was a failure all around. Perceiving how users actually engage with web pages creates the opportunity for an improved design and usability adaptation. Adhering to design conventions, visual hierarchies, organized layout and formatting, reduced content, and identifiable action items can better the user experience. And we can all relate to that as users. It's so frustrating when you go on a website and you don't know what is a button and what isn't. And you're like, how in the world did you not understand that all these clickable things and all the headings shouldn't be just in orange text, right? 
Within the notion of organized layout, Krug approaches web navigation and the value of information architecture on the user's experience. Users require a sense of location when engaging with a web page, which is reflective of a traditional brick and mortar store. And we've all been there, I've been there, where you go into a web page and you want it to function just like it would when you're at the supermarket and you're looking for noodles. And you have no idea where noodles are, but luckily at the end of every aisle there are these big giant signs that have a list of the most commonly sought after item in that aisle and it helps me get through a million times better. So the presence of a logo in the top left of each page within a particular site is also really important because it assures the user of their location. This is just like outside the store, right? And this is really important because you want to know what you're about to walk into, okay? I'm sure we've all been there where we haven't been paying attention and suddenly we're like, what is this. It's kind of like if you have coffee and water sitting on your desk, you think you're about to drink coffee and it's water or vice versa. It's just a weird experience. So people like to know where they are. Furthermore, sections and utilities provide navigation similar to overhead signs in traditional stores. So just like we talked about that grocery store earlier, those navigation menus and the utilities, they're really helping us lead the way, right? After defining the needs of the user, Krug explains the misconceptions at play when attempting to define a particular user's online decision-making. Krug, after all his time watching users users web engagement concludes all web users are unique and all web use is basically idiosyncratic. I very much relate to this on an extremely personal level because when you work in design you learn how to use Adobe Illustrator, let's just say, and we all learn how to use it the same in class. And then people start using hotkeys, they build in shortcuts for themselves. So you walk through a design room, right? So my first job, I worked as a digital marketing coordinator for a marketing firm in the Twin Cities. And there's this whole room of designers and you walk through and no two people are working the same way. Someone is using their keyboard like they're playing the piano, someone else has all these shortcuts so they're just clicking around users engage with software with computers in these very personal detailed ways so i'm really glad that krug talks about that so the relevance of web users displaying individualistic tendencies while interacting with web pages establishes krug's segue into the value of usability testing krug states if you want a great site you've got to test and amen to that although financial and time limitations can hinder extensive user testing, Krug affirms testing one user is 100% better than testing none. And holy Hannah, is that true? It is truly amazing how watching one individual engage with something you have built, designed, whatever it is, changes the perception completely. So Krug offers guidance toward a do-it-yourself approach to usability best practices. He suggests testing once a month with an ideal number of three participants. Usability testing advises Krug should be performed early and throughout a project's life cycle. Krug goes on to offer a detailed overview of a usability test guidelines and even a sample test session script. And I will recommend, there is a fantastic YouTube video of Steve 
Dave Krug performing a usability test. Um, it's just shot from you just hear the audio of him engaging with someone and it's a sample test, uh, but he's doing it to showcase how it's done. And then you can just see the user's screen and it is so interesting. This guy has it down to a total science. He can get the user engaging with him so they're ready to talk and you know he's getting them going and asking them about their life and asking them about where they work and what they enjoy so they're really in this mindset of having a casual conversation with something and then he starts really getting them into the testing portion and because they're so used to already chatting with him they start telling him everything they're doing everything they're thinking everything they're seeing what's bothering them about the page what do they like? What don't they understand? And it's like, oh my gosh, this guy is, he's a mental ninja for usability. Aside from singing the praises of usability and really trying to convert us all to active usability members, Krug really talks about the involvement of UX in the form of collaboration, right? So it involves the business, stakeholders, the testers, and then that conversation that happens post-test. He also really talks about sort of bringing everyone to the plate right? So that people understand the value of usability. And the person who's really the user experience individual on the team has to be the leader in doing that. He says usability is about serving people better by building better products. And this is really true. And I think that by harnessing that power of collaboration, we're going to build better products because we're going to be able to show people the value of usability. And in doing so, we're really going to open a world that's all about the user. And that's what user experience should be. It should be harnessing a team, doing the usability testing, and then really collaborating to focus on the user and to filter our decision-making through the user experience. So that's going to wrap up our summary of Steve Krug's Don't Make Me Think. All right, guys, I know what you're thinking. Talk Bewley to me. Leo Bewley's book offers the user experience team of one empowerment and guidance in two parts, philosophy and practice. Bewley begins the philosophy portion by providing an overview of the UX field. User experience design starts with understanding a user and then designing products and services for them. Good UX is a partnership between user research and user experience design. Bewley even provides a history lesson in the UX field, explaining knowing the history of user experience helps you reassure people that it's not just something you dreamed up. And this is important. She's going to talk a lot about collaboration. And knowing that history is a good way to gain some leverage with converting people to the side of UX. So Bewley is then going to dive into the exhaustive list of activities which may occur in a typical UX process. Now these are going to include discovery, strategy, user research, design, and implementation. This list didn't seem that exhaustive when I just read it, but there are a great deal of happenings within each of these activities. So let's just take the design phase for example. This can include information architecture and site mapping, process and task diagrams, wireframes, design comps, style and pattern guides, and prototypes. Trust me, a lot goes into these individual activities. In the next part of the book, chapter three, Bewley is really going to deep dive into her core principles of UX. Aside from user research, she is really going to focus on listening, 
collaboration, and communication. Listening is a major principle for Bewley. Working in UX, we need to listen to our stakeholders. We need to listen to others with whom we're collaborating with, and we need to listen to our users. Shout it from the rooftops. Listen to your users! Because how can we be user experience professionals if we don't listen and work with our users, okay? Collaboration, this is another huge one that Beulie wants to just make sure she's left us with that, right? She likes to say, if you only do one thing, if you only do one thing, if you only do one thing, let's collaborate. Inviting people in. Beulie advocates for bringing others into the user experience process. Whether that means sharing your user research information with stakeholders or bringing coworkers into the stages of a UX process. Doing this is going to create deeper interest in UX. It can be educational and certainly even eye-opening, but also it showcases the value of UX to your coworkers and to your stakeholders. Now we, or those of us who've worked in usability, who's who have worked in user experience, we understand the value of it. A lot of times our coworkers don't. They don't get it, they don't understand it, but if we can start bringing them in, we're gonna make our coworkers stronger in their positions, right? We are going to strengthen together as a team because suddenly they're seeing how the user actually functions with the things they're creating, designing, and they start having this user experience mindset and everyone on the team is gonna get better. Finally, the third big thing Bewley's gonna talk about is communication. So communication for Bewley is gonna be both verbal and visual. So being able to have those conversations with coworkers, stakeholders, but also also within usability testing, right? With the actual users through interviews and conversations. But she's also gonna talk a lot about visual communication. And this is gonna come from sketching or simply a post-it note brainstorm activity. The visual communication and the verbal communication, put an exclamation point on it because she is concerned with it and wants you to be too. Now, the second part of Bewley's book is practice, which begins with planning and discovery. The planning and discovery methods are those which are going to really prepare us for the research phase. So in planning and discovery, we'll uh, perform a questionnaire to assess what we know, what we need to know. And then once we've established what we need to know, we can develop a UX project plan. So we define the scope of the project. Then it's time for a listening tour to understand what your team wants, but to really play to inclusion in your project, which will ultimately create value and support for the project. So that's going back to her core principle, right, of collaboration and communication and listening. So her core principles, right, the trifecta of Bewley. Opportunity workshops, project briefs, and strategy workshops will also work to define the project and gain support for the team. Bewley is going to spend the remainder of the practice portion of the book offering research, design, and testing and validation methods. So research methods keep us in tune with the user, establishing what we know, what we don't know, and how we'll learn by way of a learning plan is a sound roadmap for strategizing the type of research methods we'll employ, be it guerrilla user research, proto-personas, or maybe looking at content patterns. Like the learning plan, a design brief, which she's also going to talk about, offers a high-level design directive by way of design principles, sketching, sketchboards, 
task flows and wireframing and she ends that chapter she's like if you only do one thing it's look at sketchboards and that takes us back to that same thing beauty is all about that communication visual communication right is really painting the picture for others now within the design brief section that chapter seven Bewley discusses a very powerful tool which is sketching so we just kind of went on sketch boards but i want to talk a little bit about sketching because sketching or visual communication is a valuable asset and tool within the design research and planning phase uh, involved in user experience and it really should not be overlooked and on top of that i watched leah Bewley present and she literally talks about how she calls them white board ninjas how you're in a conference room with people and someone suddenly gets up to the whiteboard and starts drawing and it doesn't matter what anyone in the room is saying everyone's suddenly going to that whiteboard because they want to know what that person is drawing and I have had that experience where I'm pitching a concept and it's going to change the company and someone goes up to the board and starts sketching out what I'm saying and suddenly they're the hero. So seriously, she literally talks about how she went home, bought a sketchbook and started practicing drawing and I cannot tell you how drawing has saved me a million times. So I have this art background. I have been trained extensively in a variety of art forums. And it is such a crutch to fall back on in moments where suddenly people are like, oh my God, you can draw. And it's like, I can. Uh, so yeah, so let's summarize Beulie real quick. I'm going to summarize her in three words. Listening, collaboration, and communication that is the trifecta of Leah Bewley. All right, guys, it's been a long journey, so let's try to synthesize these two authors. So both Krug and Bewley sing the praises on researching and the lengths it goes in the user experience. Krug discusses the inclusion of usability testing within each stage of web design, the concept of one is better than none. Bewley breaks down the various ways of user research and user engagement to understand who you're designing for. But for Bewley and Krug, that user research is really about listening, being an active listener to your user. Krug offers a variety of best practices and recommendations for performing usability tests, which includes active listening versus communication, so we're not tainting a user test. Now, in the vein of research and listening for understanding, both the authors we looked at this week really underscored this, and it reminds me of a quote. Anais Nin was a French Cuban-American writer who is attributed to having said, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. And this is so relevant to what Krug is saying about user perceptions, that people assume users will engage a particular way as it's the way they engage. Just like earlier, I talked about the way I use Adobe Illustrator. I just assumed that that's how everyone used it until I was in a room of designers and realized everyone uses it in some personalized, customized way. Now, Beulie is providing us a detailed blueprint for doing the legwork and actually understanding the user. Don't just see things as you are. Do the research and truly see things as they are. Krug and Bewley both champion this concept. One other quote that really helped marry these thoughts together for me is a quote from Peyton Manning. Yes, I'm going to the NFL for guidance on this. Now in 2016, Peyton Manning retired from the NFL and during his retirement speech, Manning said, there were other players who were more talented, but there was no one who could out-prepare me. 
And when we think about user research and understanding the user experience, we need to remember the notion of maybe our website isn't the prettiest, maybe our product isn't the sleekest, the shiniest, the sexiest, but it delights a user because we came prepared. We included usability testing during each part of the process, even if it was just one, right? One is better than none, says Krug. So you do your homework and you came prepared. Next, let's talk about bringing others into the conversation because that was really another big point that both of our authors made this week. So one of Bewley's main points is collaboration and inclusion. The openness of inclusion fosters a community within user experience. By collaborating in the user research process, you're empowering others to think about the user in their own job facets. And this, like I said before, is really going to empower your team, create value for your research and user experience, and really open up a world where your company or whomever you're collaborating with is more user-focused. Krug is also going to talk about bringing other people into the usability testing. He's saying having people in another room and watching users engage with the website. It's one thing to say or write, oh, the user did this and not that, but to actually see it. For some people, that is just the only way they're going to buy in. And this is going to take us back to social constructivism, right? In our first week of reading, specifically the quote, one of the key components of good pedagogy, regardless of whether technology is involved, is interaction. So with that, we're going to begin our descent into the final point here. And how fitting, it's communication. Both Krug and Bewley will discuss the communication aspects of usability testing and user experience. Let's shift this and add a technical communication lens. So Jeannie Reddish and Overlap Influence Intertwine the interplay of UX and technical communication states, technical communicators are by training and necessity user-centered. Their focus is always the audience, the people who will use whatever they are creating. Their goal is to make even complex interactions understandable and usable. We can pull numerous facets of Bewley, Krug, and social constructivism into the sphere of technical communication, such as advocating for the user, effective transfer of communication and meaning-making between two parties. In this instance users and the teams creating for them. Both authors share extensive recommendations on communicating the value of the UX process to stakeholders and clients, even offering scripts to get over the most challenging hurdles UX professionals face from organizations, coworkers, or stakeholders. Ultimately, as technical communicators, we're user-centered. It's in the DNA of our field. We function as a conduit between various parties and that's where we're successful. By adhering to social constructivism and embracing the value and principles of UX presented to us by both Bewley and Krug this week, we can continuously grow our toolkit to be more effective within our organization or maybe toward ourselves as a party of one. The key takeaways for this week in regards to UX from both Bewley and Krug are going to be listening, collaboration, and communication. This has been Summary and Synthesis. Thank you for listening and have a great week.